Well, hello everybody, I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real game. Oh, hello and happy Friday, Dell Shores. It is Friday. I'm glad it's Friday. I don't I mean, know why I'm glad it's Friday. I don't really, I don't, it's just like every day. It's just that all these days, they're, they're still blending for me. Well, it's like, I only know what day it is based on the fact that we have a show. I know. At this point, it's this show and Housewives that give me any semblance of life is happening on a specific day or not. Is it Tuesday? <laughs> Which, I mean, all the time. I'm just like, does anybody else have that problem? What day? It's, you know, it's who's he? What's it? What's my? Frankly, I'm impressed. I remember my own name. Look what I got, Emerson. Let me take your temperature now. Is that a forehead? It's a, it says low. <laughs> oh, good. Now, is that the forehead kind, or you put it up your butt? Forehead kind. I, I, ninety-eight point two, y'all. I'm doing all right. Um. Now, wait a second. First of all, why was that a thing? You know, thermometers. It was like either under the tongue or up your butt. Like those were the two choices. And, and then occasionally the armpit, right? Did you? Did anybody ever do that? I don't remember an armpit. I just remember, yeah, that there was a that there was a threat about the um, the butt every now and then. My mom would threat. What well, do you want? I don't want to take it. I don't want to. Well, you want it up? Yeah, up the butt. My up mother. Bum? My mother said the re your rectum. Oh, of she course she did. I definitely see Lorraine Shores saying rectum. Your rectum. It's a rectal thermometer. You know, I just seemed like a good start off topic. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you're here to join us for all the LGBTQ news and a lot of nonsense as well. Whether you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube or on Periscope on Twitter, say hi. We talked about it the other day. Y'all, please share the broadcast. Yeah. Please take a moment and hit the share button underneath on whatever platform you're on uh, and let, invite other people to join us. As I said, you know, we haven't grown in seven months and I feel like you know, we should. I do too. And I think if you're, especially if you're in the South with a lot of like really uh, Republican and bigot relatives, please share us, please. Yeah. I just posted it on my Instagram. I did a poll on my Instagram this week because I thought, you know, we do this show twice a week and the people that know about it join us and we're grateful all of you are here. But I said, how many of you have ever listened to an episode of the Dell and Emerson show? Y'all, I post every single episode in its entirety on my Instagram. And then 41% said yes, they've ever watched an episode. Oh, that's And then I said, are you even aware this show is a thing that Dell and I live stream twice a week for an hour? And 49% said, um, what? That's what I put in the no vote. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna be better about reminding people we're doing this. I didn't remind today on social media. I didn't remind at all, so I apologize. But well, I did. I mean, this is always up there, like it says yes. going live. It says. Yes. Um, but but what's really sad about that, Emerson, is that seventy percent of all Republicans feel like the election was rigged. More Republicans feel like the election was rigged than have ever known that we have a show that are followers of yours on Instagram. You know, you I know, love numbers. I love numbers. I know, y'all, in my being honest about your, David, look at David said over on the YouTube, I forwarded your email repeatedly to many people. We are grateful. Thanks. And y'all, we're not complaining. We just, you know, we spend, I spend a good 20 hours a week trying to find these stories and make them make sense and 
share in a fun way. And so uh, I just, the more people we can find, the, I guess it's really just about my personal validation. Let's be honest. And I about, uh, 30 minutes on Tuesday morning and about 30 minutes on Friday reading them over. And then I come here for an hour. I mean, it is a lot of work y'all for me. Um, um, but in our my, sharing my, the unvarnished truth of my ongoing mental health. I don't know about y'all. Today's a shitty day for me. I'm just in that press conference yesterday with those lawyers like lying and blowing smoke up Trump's ass that leads to the, there are legitimately people who think the election is being stolen based on no facts, you know, based on people saying it is being stolen. Lindsey Graham over in Georgia trying to get ballots turned out, every court case being completely denied and that there are people so um, separated from any truth in news reporting that they honestly believe it. I don't mean the grifters, you know, the ones whose brands it's helpful for like democracy to fall apart because it helps them sell books. I mean, legitimate actual Americans no, based I, on how they're receiving information believe that to be true. I went to one of my cousins Facebook today and he legitimately feels that the election has been stolen. Yet when when Democrats complained at all last time in 2016, we were just, oh, just accept it. You lost, you lost, you lost. Come on. It's just incredibly stupid. It it, it makes me it makes me not think you're smart. That's yeah. what it, it really does. It makes me think, wow, you're not very smart. And, and there's a difference too, right? Because last time we were talking about how Russia cyber disinformation campaigns influenced the election, you know, by getting disinformation in front of people. That is not the same as saying an election is stolen based on like fake people voting, dead people voting, nonsense signatures, like making things up because of the result. Anyway, but the point being, I'm just feeling today a little bit like, like if the country is like, a wagon rolling down a hill for the last several, four years, 30 years since the moral majority, the wheels have been shaky. And this period right here feels like that dip at the bottom. You know, like, oh, we're about to level out, right? We're gonna get a reasonable president in office, but we're hitting that divot at the bottom where sometimes you get thrown out of the wagon. Does that make sense? Well, it does make sense, but I think it's also, I think it's, it's, for me, it's twofold. It's also, I think it really has to do with these numbers. I mean, we're here in Los Angeles County. Yesterday, there were 5,000 new cases. And I got to tell you, I mean, I go to, I go out now with uh, uh, N95 and with another mask and with, you know, the face shield on. The only time I don't is when I'm hiking with, with Beverly and, or, or, or my friend Ed hike with me. And I keep, I, I keep my mask on these days for everybody though. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, we, I think what we thought, I think we thought, oh, yes, a vaccine is coming, but it's all getting better. We've learned to acclimate. We've learned to kind of deal with this. We've learned to navigate it. And then all of a sudden, bam, Thanksgiving's coming and it is fucked up. I mean, yeah. And also, oh, wait, the comment jumped. Yes, yes, we just heard the news that uh, Donald Trump Jr. has COVID. And I, I sent him a tweet, y'all. I said, I would, I would pray for you, but I'm an atheist. That's he's not getting my thoughts or my prayers because he's going to get that same super medication treatment things that, uh, that Trump got, that Ben Carson got. Ben I just Carson, read earlier today. Yeah, that he like nearly died. Almost died. died. Almost died. Ben Carson almost died. And I'm wondering, will it? I mean, you know, Herman Cain did die, and that didn't that that didn't stop the rallies. 
I mean, it, it's just like there's nothing that's going to stop it till we get this vaccine with this administration until they get out of there. I mean, yeah. uh, we're going to get to a story in a second. And I did a little more research on that, the, the, Kay, the Kaylee McEnany story. And I, I have some numbers. You know, I like the numbers. So it's uh -huh. crazy. And, uh -huh, well, uh -huh. and I, I did be like, uh -huh, great. When we get that, 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 that dismissive, uh -huh. y'all think it's polite. It's dismissive. It would never say, like, uh huh, yeah, sure. Uh huh. Because I go to, I like, I'm going to tell you about now what I'm going to tell you about in a minute. And also, I, you're right. That was not dismissive. I was reading this big old comment that Mitch Mitchell shared uh, while you were talking. But I'm trying to be sensitive because I was told recently that I've alienated some people in my life because I'm patronizing and, uh, and, and play devil's advocate a little too much. So I'm trying to be sensitive about not being dismissive. So I apologize, Del Short. Oh, stop, stop. <laughs> we are way beyond that. There's, um, there's absolutely no way. I First of all, I love you too much to ever uh, dismiss you from my life. And you're too valuable to me. <laughs> so. Like a, some people once ask, people ask sometimes, you know, how you and I met and all this stuff. And I say, you know. And my joking version of the story is to say, I just made myself indispensable. So whether he likes it or not, he can't get rid of me now. I don't have to be nice True. anymore. I've already made a commitment that I am retiring when Emerson quits. <laughs> so I don't want to work with you anymore, Del Shores. Okay, I'm done. But I, I keep saying to people, I said, look, I'm, a, I'm six months away from moving to Palm Springs and being a barista. A barista? Yeah, I love Starbucks. Just <laughs> I know you love Starbucks, but you like drinking Starbucks. <laughs> I, you know what? If I had, okay, let's 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 just talk. If if you had any job at all that you didn't have to worry about COVID, besides what we do, if we if you had to say, okay, I'm going to do something else, what would it be? Um, okay, I'll give you the real ones first. No, I'll okay. give you the, and then I'll give you the, no, I really do. I mean, I would be a barista. You know, I do enjoy as much as I don't seem like it. I, I want everyone I meet to be amazing. I do like meeting new people. Um, it's just too many people turn out to not be. Um, but I, re, the real answer is I'd probably have been a therapist or a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I, I, I'd have to be a life coach. I couldn't be a therapist because that, uh, and how does that make you feel? No, no, no. I want to tell you what to do. Yeah, which is like life coaching. Yeah, that's more life coaching therapist. Um, all right. Well, what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. Um, and so we're going to get on to that and we'll get back to some of these other. Uh, Are you not going to talk about Dash and Lily? I watched two episodes just so I, I can know. But now we're at 11 minutes into the show and the next story is at 408. And so maybe I can fit it in with the Christmas ornament story at the end if we get through everything faster. OK, because I had to watch it. You didn't have to. That's why I put my name by it. It was cute. It was very cute. Okay, fuck uh, it. Let's no. talk about it now. Um, I will tell y'all, in the holiday festive and like still trying to watch stuff that makes you feel good, we watched Dash and Lily the other night, and we watched all eight episodes without stopping. The entire Aww. season in one sitting. If y'all don't know, short version, it's a new series on Netflix, a Christmas-based series that's about this girl who writes a journal uh, and leaves it in a bookstore and a boy finds it and they start flirting back and forth and like giving each other tasks through this journal. He hates Christmas. She loves it. And, you know, madness and, and insanity ensue. But I loved it. I loved it. Wasn't she in that other series? The, the, wasn't, there was another I don't know her from something else. Oh, I love her. I mean, I'm her. sure she has. 
Yeah, I um, think she's brilliant. And I, and what I love too, is that it was like, there's aspects of it that are very Christmassy cute, like things are easy, but there's a lot of really authentic human difficulty. Like they're not perfect people. It's not a perfect Christmas. There's her, it's, she is in a mixed race family, Japanese and white father. She's got a gay brother who has a Puerto Rican boyfriend. So we see an interracial gay couple that's not white. They're always having color. sex and she's always walking in on them, which is fun. But like the gay brother, he's like a great brother. He's also annoying. He's whiny. You know, he's not a perfect person, but you love them. It's like they're imperfectly wonderful. And I just found the whole thing so like charming and fun and, and looking at like at this very thing, talking about like the perfection we create in our mind about someone else and how it's impossible to ever live up to that. I just love Yeah, that. well, there was, I loved, I loved the childhood aspect of it where you actually, you know, that, that, that bracelet. Did you see the friendship bracelet scene? Did yes. you get to that one? Okay, yes. y'all, I'm not really ruining anything, but there's a flashback sequence where you see this girl who's a bit of an oddball and she gives out friendship bracelets to everybody at Christmas and you can see it coming. The other little kid's gonna laugh at her. But when they finally did, when I tell you that I sobbed on my sofa, I don't know, it's just where I'm at in the world, but just, it got me thinking about it. And it's relevant to our show is why I wanted to talk about it. How many of us as LGBTQ people or artists or whatever, were the little weird kids? Mm -hmm. and, and, but we didn't know we were weird. We didn't know there was something wrong until someone else said it. Mm -hmm. And I think about that for all of our youth. And unfortunately it happens younger and younger. You know, it does, it's, you're not a teenager. It is often as a kid where the first time you realize what you like is not normal or you're interested in something that's not what other kids are interested in. And I like, I don't know, I just, I'm in a fragile place, I guess. But my heart broke for all the little queer kids, all little weirdos that aren't LGBTQ. That day when you experience shame for the first time because of like some part of who you are. You know, and I just yeah, it was, saw it coming, end, and I was like, the, and the end of that picking them up was just heartbreaking. Um, um, and 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 then you see her as an adult still dealing with the trauma of that, and I think that's so common do, for so many do. of us. You know as that we we, we build defense mechanisms. My sarcasm and snark is is protecting that like empathetic little boy who like could tell what people were feeling in a room. You know, we we all do so many things to then keep that little kid from getting hurt again. And it's I it's just beautiful. It's where my line waddled, but that's what the other kids used to call me. I wish they could see my ass today. I mean, I remember the day that Bobby Bondurant, wherever you are, Bobby Bondurant, who I had a yes. little crush on, he said, oh, look at Waddlebutt walking up the stairs. Yes. Mm. And so if you're in the mood for a little, but it is really feel good for, for the most part. And the lovely thing about family and friendship and relationship and, so check it out. That's it's a now we're recommendation. Way over. Now we're way over. Okay. It's all right. It doesn't matter. It's our show. It's Friday. Um, Friday. but getting on to the, yeah, to the LGBTQ news and nonsense. Um, this week uh, was Transgender Awareness Week, and today is Trans Day of Remembrance. And on screen, you see the names of some of the 37 trans Americans that have been violently killed this year. At least 350 have been around the world. And so this day, for those of us as allies to the trans community, to lift them up, to support the community as they mourn uh, so many losses. And it's about remembering to fight all of the systems that damage and inhibit trans people from flourishing, 
direct things, of course, that we talk about like discrimination and violence, but also poverty and systemic racism that affects trans people of color and stigma around sex work. So as a part of being aware, it's you know celebrating the court victories like we had from Gavin Grimm and Amy Stevens, election victories and Danica Rome and Sarah McBride, but also fighting uh, for the needs to be met at the most basic level. So in that, I just wanted to share um, two organizations uh, to lift up on this topic. The first is a huge, exciting accomplishment that they've done. It's the Trans Lifeline, a grassroots hotline. They give micro grants to, for direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. It is for the trans community, done by the trans community. So to see their work, to support them, visit translifeline.org. And then the other is a newer organization, the Okra Project, and it's created by Ian Field Stewart. And she is actually in Dash and Lily. It was interesting that I, uh, in looking and realizing this, an organization I paid attention to, that this actress in the show was the creation of this. And she did it um, to make things like entertainment, nourishment, and self-care accessible uh, to the most marginalized in the trans community. Founded in 2018, it started with a simple idea of getting black trans chefs to go into black trans homes and cook them a healthy and home-cooked meal. Well, obviously, with that's on pause with COVID-19, so they're focusing on mutual aid funding. They introduced free therapy this year. They created the Oprah Academy. Uh, it's a weekend training program and expanded internationally with the International Grocery Fund that can send black trans people anywhere in the world money who are experiencing food shortages. So amazing work. Visit the okraproject.com uh, to support them. And a reminder of the most marginalized in our community that we be present, that we be supportive, that we make space for them, and that we lift them up uh, on a very difficult day today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and... Um, and um, we talked about uh, Kaylee McEnany just for a second while ago. She went on Fox and Friends this week, and you know I can't stand her. And she complaining about the Democratic governors who are imposing more strident restrictions on Thanksgiving. Now, this is somebody, let's just keep in mind, who had COVID. Uh, in response to the climbing COVID-19 numbers, when asked about uh, the cases spiking and the governors putting out guidelines, she said a lot of the guidelines you see are Orwellian. The CDC has put out considerations. I think that's the American way. The American people now have to protect their health. We've dealt with COVID for many months. It's Orwellian in a place like Oregon to say, if you gather in numbers more than six, we might come to your house and arrest you and get you uh, 30 days of jail time. That's not the American way. We don't lose our freedom. We make responsible health decisions as individuals. Thus, that's why you got COVID. Kaylee, because you made such good health uh, decisions. The American people are freedom-loving people, she added. We can make good decisions. We can wash our hands, wear masks, but she didn't socially distance. But we also can decide in our own personal domicile, our own home, whether we can have family members present at any given time. That is the American way. That is freedom. Wine, 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 wine. I did some research today in our Senate Seven senators have tested positive for COVID, all Republicans, no Democrats. In the House, 16 Republicans have tested positive for COVID, uh, nine Democrats, 150 aides in Congress, 150 aides. I'm not counting the Secret Service people, 41 people. And if you want to count Donald Trump, add 42 now in the Trump Organization 
White House and campaign. 41. So, and it's not partisan. Yes, it is kind of partisan because they made it partisan. They made it partisan and we're doing better. Well, and the irony of that too was like, uh, Kayla McEnany doesn't know what Orwellian means. The whole point of 1984 was all about like doublespeak, which is like literally about obscuring the truth through different words and all sorts of euphemism. I mean, it's like what she does on a daily basis exactly. from that podium is what Orwell was talking about. Not these governors and mayors having to make incredibly difficult decisions. We're going to a curfew in Los Angeles starting Saturday night. Like no, none of our leaders want to do this. They all know our economies are harder to recover after doing these kinds of things. So they, <laughs> nobody wants this. And if we all could do what Kaylee said and be responsible, we wouldn't have to. And she was mean to Caitlin Collins today on CNN. I, so I, she's just such an asshole. She is such, a, and, and I, I'm, you know, I just, I, I nominated her for worst Christian of the year. Worst Christian of the year. That is a very stiff competition. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, and then just real quick, you know, but I just, you know, we talked a lot about elections. Um, and I wanted to share uh, just a few, a few quick fun things uh, that are the winning uh, of our new LGBTQ people arriving in Congress. And so right here, this is Richie Torres from New York. Uh, they literally, he said, Mr. Torres goes to Washington arriving Hello, at everyone. the Capitol. Congressman-elect Richie Torres from the Boogie Down Bronx. I never thought in my wildest dream of color, that I would go from public housing in the Bronx to the people's house in Washington, D.C. I am fired up, and I'm looking forward to causing good trouble. And oh, then, you know, it's just remembering to celebrate our victories, like that we don't want to always be stuck in. And then Mondaire Jones, the other uh, one from New York, uh, posted this stunning, you know, I hope this, like, lives in his life forever, this gorgeous photo, just saying it's really happening, like thinking about these men um, arriving to represent their com- constituents and represent our communities. Um, and it's just super exciting. And we are making seats at the table. We've got a bunch of people in consideration. Pete Buttigieg will likely end up in this administration somewhere. Dr. Rachel Levine, the Pennsylvania Secretary of Health we've talked about, uh, the trans woman that had people talking shit about her. She is a possibility for Surgeon General. Karine Jean-Pierre, the campaign chief of staff for Kamala Harris, is a possibility for press secretary. So is Simone Sanders. There's a bunch of people we love, but just members of our community are going to have places in this administration. And I just wanted to remind us, you know, we have things to celebrate in the midst of the nonsense. And Dolly Parton for everything good and and beautiful in the world. We talked about her last week. She gave a million dollars to set up the Dolly Parton COVID-19 research fund at Nashville's Vanderbilt University Medical Center that contributed to Moderna's new vaccine, which a study suggests 94.5 effective at preventing the virus. Well, in appearance on BBC's One Show this week, Dolly explained, I heard about the vaccine yesterday and I didn't realize it was part of the program that I was part of. So I feel very honored and proud. Actually, when the pandemic started many months ago, I felt led to some money. I felt led to put some money 
into a program at Vanderbilt Hospital. I just love it. It's like that we, we all bring the Lord, you know how we, I just felt called. I just felt called. Dolly felt called to give a million dollars. Um, it's a wonderful hospital. It's been good to me and my family over the years. So she gave back and she made the donation. So they named the fund after her and they used it to raise more money, uh, being demure about her own importance uh, in it, she said, uh, I'm sure many, many millions of dollars came from many other people, went into that, but I just felt so proud to have a part, that little seed money, <laughs> this cracks me up, <laughs> that little seed money that will hopefully grow into something great and uh, help to seal the, to heal this world. Lord knows we need it. I just love her so much. I just, it's like, how much do you need? A million? Uh, let me just give you that little seed money. Here you go. I know, and you know what we can all do to support her is we can all watch Dolly's Christmas on the Square that premieres on Sunday on Netflix. Okay, I'll do it. I, I, movie. Look, there is it's uh, there's always something. It's feel good. Whatever, it always makes you feel good when Dolly. Yes, um, Dolly does. Like, uh, Debbie Allen directed it, but our good good friend Mary Lane Haskell is in it. Um, and so Christmas on the Square. Yes, Dolly Christmas on Sunday know if Dolly's involved, your heart's going to feel good at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip this next one. Go to the pastor. Well, we're catching up. Um, okay. Uh, well, there's another COVID pastor, y'all. E.W. Jackson. He's a failed Republican Senate candidate and Christian pastor with a long history of bigotry. Uh, last year, he complained about Pete and uh, Chastin Buttigieg on state kissing, saying, a normal man is disgusted by the idea of two men kissing each other on the mouth. People can try to be politically correct all they want, but a normal man is disgusted by it because it is not what God made us for. I don't want a theocracy, but I guarantee you they want a homoocracy. <laughs> homo I mean, I kind of do. Now that he's I do. I want a homoocracy. Bring me out. Woo! Let's do and it. Let's have socialism a and communism. I want a homoocracy. Who's in? Who's in with us on the homoocracy? Uh, so now in a sermon in March, he declared, I'm not going to get the coronavirus. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to give. I, 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 I'm just saying there's a little foreshadowing about to happen here. I'm not going to give anybody the coronavirus because I can't get it because I've been talked to God about it. Uh, he and Pat Robertson, that's coming up too. He referred to Psalm 91, which says in parts, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. Surely he will save you from the deadly pestilence. He did say Christians can get coronavirus, but added, but here's what I'm saying. You don't have to. If you know how to believe God, and you don't have to. You don't have to. Hallelujah. And if you don't have to, then don't. There you go. Well, he did. He did. In Facebook <laughs> live sermon earlier this week. Oh, I just, I, why is this humorous to me? He's sick with the COVID. Uh, Jackson said that both he and his wife have been diagnosed with the coronavirus. In a phone call interview with Newsweek, he explained it with one of the most creative excuses yet saying, I'll tell you what exactly what I believe really happened to me. The Bible says uh, we're supposed to rest one day of the week. And I've been working seven days a week, probably for, I don't know, who knows how long. So while I'm confessing that I don't have it, I'm not going to get it. 
I'm wearing myself off. I mean, okay. I'm impressed okay. with that excuse, but it's a little bit like when you go for a job interview and they say, tell us about one of your negative qualities. And you say, you know, I'm just such a perfectionist. I just want everything I do to be exactly right. You know, it's like I was working so hard for Jesus that I forgot to take the time off for Jesus. And that's why I got the Corona. My Corona. My, 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 my. my. Uh, Leanne wants a big old homo hoedown. Is that the same thing? Um, yeah, it's the same thing. In our homoocracy. Yeah. Rob said, I will vote for Dallin Emerson for the new LGBT leadership. I don't Thank want, you. I don't want a role. I don't want a, a job. I just want to go to like, the inauguration, you know, when we install Elton John as the first a premier of the homoocracy. I just want a ticket. I don't want to have to do that work. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to have to put out an e-blast. I don't. Constant contact. I don't. I don't want to have to like you know rally the base and whip the vote for the for whatever it is we're deciding. Um, <laughs> Y'all, we have reached the center point of the show, and so as always, if you are sitting on a pile of cash and you want to give us a dollar, five, ten, fifty, a thousand, you are welcome to send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to BeardCollinsShoresProductions at gmail.com. It's not required. It's not obligated. It's not expected. I mean, a little is expected. It doesn't. <laughs> Thank you to Michael Shane, who's already tipped his hat for us today. Thank uh, you, Michael. Thank you. you. Yeah. But the See, rest of you, it's also, it's okay. As we've talked about at the beginning of the show, if you can't contribute, that is just fine. But you know what you can do that costs nothing? Share the show. Share, share. It's fun to share. Oh, speaking it's about homoocracy, share would certainly be our postmaster general. Yeah, yeah. She wanted I, to work at that post office in Malibu. Wanted, we could let her I, run the post office. I think I would have volunteered if they if they said, "Well, share's here. Share's heading this up." I go, "Oh, I'm in. I, I'm, I'm on in. the way. I, I want to be work a postal route. We can figure out how to make those short shorts." Be cute, the homoocracy. Well, I mean, you could, you'd probably wear a speedo. Well, of course but, I would. <laughs> you know, with whatever the new flag of the homoocracy was, you know, be patriotic. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Uh -huh. People and would right now, right now, be like this. They'd go, "Can I have my mail?" <laughs> uh huh. Uh -huh. And lately, the th the soundtrack. You know what I've been loving? Kylie Minogue's new disco album is like being woven in with the with the holiday music. So Kylie is a theme song for this holiday season for me. If you haven't listened to it, it is such a feel good album. It's just I love like, her. I love her. I, I used to, when, when I was married uh, many moons ago, it's gonna be, yeah, the, the anniversary of that departure is coming up on the 21st, by the way. Oh. I've been single for all this these years, but I remember we'd go out and we'd put Kylie on and boy, she'd just get you in the mood. You know, I just loved Kylie. Kylie, what is she, 83 now? 83 or 84? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 60. I'm going to be 63 in about a few days. It's a, I, I think she's older I think, than me. I think in a homoocracy, talking about people's ages will be considered against the law. <laughs> uh, Hold on, I'm finding out for you. 52. 50. Oh, no. That is, that She must have started when she was 14 then. Probably. And she has that sister, Danny, who had a few yep. hits too. Absolutely. Danny Minogue. 
Well, I saw her perform live in Sydney, Mardi Gras one year. There's a song that I love that says, where does the DJ, it's basically, where does the DJ go when the party's over? And I keep singing it, you know, because our neighbor's a big DJ. And of course he can't work because of lockdown. But I just keep singing the song at his door. I don't think he finds it as funny as I do. I probably not. It's probably like, here, I'm here. I'm here. Stop. I know where the the DJ is. Um, all right, continuing the stories, um, I'm, I want to share a video with y'all because there is this a, a creationist who is going viral for a fascinating and bonkers explanation of why humans have a nasal bone and other primates don't. Jennifer Hall Revere is the educational content administrator for the nonprofit Answers in Generous, Genesis, which operates the Creation Museum in Kentucky. Now, they have a sister attraction that's the Ark Encounter. It's a full-size Noah's Ark built to the biblical specifications. The Answers in Genesis site says it gives biblical answers to questions regarding key issues such as creation, evolution, science, and the age of the earth. Now, before we continue, I want you all to hear this doctor share her theory about the nasal bone. All right. Here we go. So when you look at a human skull, which this is, right, if you look at it in its correct position, you see the human, right, the profile is very straight, but it's completely different in a primate, right? It is slanted. And so Mm -hmm. you could easily look, if we go back to that picture of the fossil, you can look at that and go, no Mm -hmm. question, it's a primate. Makes sense, primate skull. And we also can look at the nasal bone right here. Mm -hmm. God designed very specifically with this nasal bone because he knew because of sin, we'd be wearing glasses and contacts, Mm -hmm. right? And so this helps hold our glasses. (laughs) Primates Mm -hmm. have no need. And that's the same way there. Did you all catch that? Because of sin, we will be wearing glasses. And therefore we need a nasal bone. I've been thinking about this ever since I read this story this morning, Emerson, I was thinking, um, but what about, he's basically, she's saying that, that, that animals cannot sin, which I want, I take umbrage because I go to the zoo or did when we could, and you know, a baboon's throwing shit at people and, 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 you know, stealing a banana. That's, that's sin. That is sin primate they can sin that penguin that we talked about that stole those lesbian penguins egg i feel that sin so why don't they have this bone so that the glasses and what about the contacts well also if god knew that we were going to sin so we needed a bone because sin was going to make our eyes go bad by the way mine continuously gets worse so my sin is growing would he have also seen that you know a a couple hundred years after the glasses we'd invent contacts and maybe just have sped up that process instead of giving us a whole bone for sin sin glasses also i bet that there is someone at a zoo somewhere that can tell you eye issues can happen to any creature with an eyeball i believe and i absolutely believe there are primate there's some monkey somewhere that doesn't see as well as the rest of the monkeys and we don't because he can't remember ruby our dog Emerson, yeah. Ruby, she got the cloudy eyes. They get mm-hmm. the cloudy eyes. There are so many holes in that story. Or cats are proof of evil. Oh, Danielle, you just alienated half of our audience. But like, it's just bonkers listening to her because it sounds so real. 
primate skulls are different than human skulls. And so we can tell this is a primate skull. Yes, absolutely. And the reason is because we have a nasal bone. Science, that makes sense, which we have because sin makes our eyesight go bad. So your oh. granny with glaucoma, you need to ask her what she did in her life. And, and let's go back to the fact that she is a doctor, a doctor. I mean, just let that, from what, from the University of Phoenix? I mean, is Trump that, University. Trump, she got her degree from. David said uh, his old birds have cataracts. See, I don't think that I, that I issues are that much a symbol of Sam. I need somebody that's watching. I mean, you and I both wear glasses, so that does, yeah, I mean, it does well, that, Yeah, it's, you know. Every time you masturbate, a little kitten dies. That's according to my work. <laughs> well, according to Danielle, that's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> Danielle's going, bring it on. Let's masturbate. Kill some yeah. cats. <laughs> uh, but you just listen and listen and listen and woo, left turn into nonsense. Oh, my like, God. Okay. I well, I do want to go to the Ark Encounter, though. I'd love to walk on that Ark and just imagine those elephants and the cheetahs and the little mice. Have all having different spaces and survive. Well, I just want to know about the the specifications that are in the in Deuteronomy. I don't remember the I don't remember that the ark was a certain. I don't remember those those measurements that they got. Uh -huh. Do you? Oh no, yeah, they were very specific. It's it's yeah. weird. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I must have. I must, Wait, did, you was, not, did you grow up hearing about like the Creation Museum or like the people who believed that like? Before the flood, the air was so rich with moisture that there was no rain. And that explains why Methuselah lived to be 900 and whatnot and how 500-year-old women were having babies. And it's because that moisture in the air that it's once the flood happened and all the rains happened for 40 days and 40 nights, it changed the environment. And that's why we don't live as long as those people in the Bible that lived. You know, well, I'm all for dome cities then and a lot of mist. I mean, why aren't people living longer in Palm Springs? They have all those mist machines. <laughs> Like I'm just gonna put a bunch of misters in my in my little apartment and make it real humid. Get a lot of humidifiers and live to 300. Just put the you know the uh, start a small spot fire and get the sprinklers going. <laughs> oh my God, we're being very very silly today. Um, all right, all right. Well, there there is more news about Pappy Pat Robertson. Pappy Robertson is back in the news. So in October, Pat Robertson, as you remember, was reported by me on this show. He prophesied that Donald Trump would win the election. And y'all, he's just having a hard time letting that go. So on the 700 Club, he said, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of delusion that has come across our land. We will not surrender our nation. We will not give up this great country. And Satan, you cannot have it in the name of Jesus. And I begin to pray. I believe God has heard. And I'm asking everybody in this audience to pray. It isn't over yet. And I do not think again. He wants to turn this nation over to socialism and Bernie Sanders and oh AOC and and those people are pure socialist and they want to take control over everything and they, they they want to run all the businesses they want to run all the industry they want to redo all the uh, 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 energy we got. They want to take away your cars. They want to stop people flying airplanes. I mean, it's crazy. It's cra what they have. We cannot allow that. So let us pray. And what I'm hearing, 
I still think Trump ultimately will win. And seen. I mean, I, she's just real obsessed with like people in airplanes. I thought, what a, a fascinatingly specific thing to mention, Pappy. Well, and you know what's really interesting about that? I bet you, I was thinking about all the things that he was saying they were going to take away. They want to take away our cars. They want to take away uh, flying airplanes. I bet you that at some point when all that shit started happening, when they started flying in the air and cars happened, there were people, there were Christians who said, no, 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 no. We can't have in the air. That's but right. now the socialists don't want us to have I did. I missed that one. I missed Bernie talking about airplanes. I, uh -huh. I he said a lot, but uh, I don't remember the airplanes. Take over everything. Maybe it was AOC that was. Uh, did you not? Did I? Did you love that the way? Because I, I watched it and I loved it when he started stumbling. He was oh 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 energy. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, sir. But also, it's people like this who have a rabid following and audience, and him saying it's not over is the reason there are people out there thinking it's not over. I'm telling you, they and he looks, he looks like they just dug him up. I mean, he yeah. looks like he's really on. I just, I just. He looks the way I feel. <laughs> COVID, COVID has, has aged Pappy Pat. And I he was swear, already, yeah. he already looked bad. Uh, people have often said that I look younger than I am. And I have always said, you should see the picture in my attic like as a lovely little Dorian Gray reference. But I tell you that that photo these days, it's just crusty and syphilitic and it looks like Pat Robertson. My Dorian I, said, Gray I was gonna say, Emerson, that picture's catching up. Goodbye, good night. That's the end of our show. It was so nice being with you all. See, just for the record for everyone, I'm not the only one that's an asshole sometimes. <laughs> I had to say it. I had to say it. It came into bit. my head. I know. I know. I, I will say that, like, yeah, you all experience, we all experience this, right? As you get older, people guess, get they when people go to guess your age, which don't ever do that, that's not a no-win situation, the number starts creeping up, right? And I remember the first time people guessed a number with a three in front of it, I was like, and then I was like, who cares? Well, I only think about I'm still trying to be an actress, and you know, those casting people care about that shit. Absolutely. I've um, yeah. Oh, wait, we've got to sidetrack for this because they're right. Rudy's hair, Rudy's hair dye melting down his face. I said he looked like a whore in church, uh, just sweating right after she dyed her hair. And, <laughs> and like, look, no judgment on the hair dye because do what should make what is in your heart to make you happy. But like, sir, you should know how it works a little better than that. You know, you can't I'm just, just ap applicate it. You know, he's and his son, his son, Andrew, tested positive for COVID, too. And they he was at those press conferences. So those, all those people are, are now all that all those lawyers are now in uh, quarantine. So that maybe yeah. that'll shut them up a little bit. I mean, for the love, like the more of them that have to stay at home um, and another sidetrack. Did you see Rachel Maddow, who, you know, right before election coverage had to quarantine at home? I, I don't know if you all saw it's worth watching. You know, she's such a brilliant reporter. She unfolds stories. She unfolds difficult information in a way that's really easy to digest if you're not following stuff really closely. The way she spells out information yeah. to lead you through stories. One of the most effective forms of communication, I think, on TV. And she's very, like, to the point for the most part. And uh, she gave a very uh, vulnerable explanation last night of the story of her wife partner, uh, Susan, being the one who had 
uh, COVID-19 and the experience for her of having her great love, her partner in the other room uh, and wanting to support her and wanting to help her and not even being able to be with her uh, that I thought was really effective uh, crossing sort of the news person moment, right? You know, they want to seem as much as people think all the news is fake. Most of them really want to communicate the details of stories uh, in a way for you, the audience, to then decide how you feel about it or what you want your representatives to do in response to news. Um, and she really tries to do that. I think it was probably very vulnerable for her to share that. And she did it to say, to remind all of us in this moment where there's so much fatigue and we're staring down the barrel of like going under lockdowns again or curfews or the difficult months in holidays where we want to be with people and saying, you need to not think about like, I'm willing to risk it for myself. Will you risk it for the person you love and care about most in the world? And I thought that was a very uh, smart argument and a very vulnerable argument and just an amazing uh, share from her about that. It was. Was indeed. Um, um, and then we've talked a lot about Georgia because, you know, it matters and we can't do anything if we don't win the Senate because uh, they can uh, block all the things. Well, Kelly Loeffler, who's her race is against uh, the Reverend Raphael Warnock. Uh, this week, she went on to attempt to attack previous sermons. He's a reverend. We've talked that he's LGBT affirming as well in his church. Um, and they, she showed a small clip from a sermon where he said, America, nobody can serve God in the military. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and mammon at the same time. America, choose ye this day who you will serve. Choose ye this day. Well, Loeffler tweeted, I'm the daughter and granddaughter of veterans and proud to serve on the VA committee. This is despicable, disgusting, and wrong. You owe our active military and veterans who sacrifice so much for our country an immediate apology. Now, further in the clip, he goes on to talk about how politicians try to keep their power. Political parties lie to keep their power. And church folk, yeah, you too, maneuver to keep your power. And Jesus says that's not power. That's paranoia. Because when you've got real power, you're not worrying about your place in the world. And also, you know, as well as I do, anybody that spent even one Sunday morning, even if it was just Easter or Christmas, knows that what he is referencing is no man can serve new, two masters. That's right. Like all of us, literally anybody who ever- She took to it completely out of context. But when, when Trump, you know, says that, people are losers that are military they just completely ignore that well you know that he he was joking or whatever the fuck they come up with it's it i just don't understand the cult i just don't get it and it's just weird that you know it's, it's supposed to be the christian side and like you pretend that you don't know what the sermon is preaching about um it's bullshit so my point is this week given a little extra love a little extra attention once again to raphael warnock if you can volunteer time they need people to make calls and if you can donate funds warnockforgeorgia.com it's in the ticker at the bottom hey J emerson that what uh kennedy knowles who i think you met uh uh she's she's heading up a big uh campaign to reach out to the youth in in georgia the lgbt and she's asked i gotta send it to you but she's asked us to make videos to encourage the youth to register by d December the 5th and to vote on uh, January 5th. That's in our LGBT community. So I I, I said I would do it and I, I told her I thought you would as well. So That's amazing. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of activity going on, which I love. I love what Stacey Abrams is doing. I mean, she is activating so many people to get out there and, and, and is so responsible for so many of these votes. So yeah. I mean, Oh, Absolutely. is it me? Oh, it's it me. Is. I'm just rattling. Okay, so Bar Barack Obama 
has published the first volume of his memoirs called A Promised Land. In it, he very frankly discusses the journey on LGBTQ people and issues. He wrote, I grew up in the 60s, a time when LGBTQ life was far less visible to those outside the community so that my grandmother, Toot's sister, and one of my favorite relatives, Aunt Arlene, felt obliged to introduce her partner of 20 years as my close friend, Marge, whenever she visited. Oh, he also said, and like many teenage boys in those years, my friend and I sometimes threw away, uh, threw around words like uh, fag or gay at each other at casual put downs, as casual put downs, callow attempts to fortify our masculinity and hide our insecurities. Once I got to college and became friends with fellow students and professors who were openly gay, though, I realized the overt discrimination and hate they were subjected to, as well as loneliness and self-doubt that the dominant culture imposed on them. I felt ashamed of my past behavior, and I learned to do better. He reflected uh, later, alongside abortion, guns, and just about anything to do with race, the issues of LGBTQ rights and immigration had occupied center stage in America's culture wars for decades, in part because they raised the most basic questions in our democracy, namely, who do we consider a true member of the American family deserving of the same rights, respect, and concern that we expect for ourselves? I believe in defining that family broadly. It includes gay people as well as straight, and it included immigrant families that had been put down, that had put down roots and raised kids here, even if they hadn't come through the front door. How could I believe otherwise when some of the same arguments for their exclusion had so often been used to exclude those who looked like me? Obama's great aunt, uh, Margaret Arlene Payne, died in 2014 at the age of 87 with her obituary noting that she is survived by her family and friend, Marjorie Duffy. I love that. And I love that he shared his progress, his journey, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about marginalized issues, it's the same for us. Like as a white man, me talking about having said transphobic things or laughed at racist things in my past, if we... If we can be honest about our journeys, we can help other people along with it. I think it's so powerful for him to talk about how he perceived or used that language younger and then understanding later the impact of it, right? Like we can all do that. And if we can all open about our journeys, it's easier to make progress because we're not sitting in defensive while we do the work, you know? And, and let's not forget, I mean, he was that first time, the first time he won, he was not on board with gay marriage. It was civil unions. He was supporting civil unions. I remember that town hall, uh, hall, that town hall on Logo and Hillary Clinton as well. But here's the evolution. We saw all the evolution from childhood with him and it continued even into his presidency. And Joe Biden had a lot to do with that. So yeah. Um, and I think it's great to see leaders, you know, people that people are that are respected uh, talking about that journey. We can only make progress on these conversations if we own where we've been while we work to get to better places. Um, and so I love that. I thought it was really powerful. Great. And then in a uh, fun thing, celebrating LGBTQ family, I'm going to play this commercial uh, while I talk. Uh, Pantene has partnered with Family Equality uh, for a new campaign this month, make her be quiet. So you can see it. Um, 
that to benefit the important work of family equality and to participate, all you have to do is post a photo of your family on Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag, hashtag beautifully LGBTQ. And for every photo posted, Pantene will donate $1 up to $100,000 to family equality and important work they do uh, to support families, LGBTQ families, support groups, events, fighting for legislation and legal rights. Um, and Anne Libertine, the organization's director of communications said, for many members of the LGBTQ plus community, hair is self-expression. Short or long, curly or straight, maybe even bright pink or purple, hair provides a channel to explore and express identity. In short, hair is pride. So all you have to do to participate is post a photo of your family on Twitter or Instagram and use hashtag beautifully LGBTQ. Awesome. Um, well, in, in lighter news, we have uh, the Sexiest Man Alive uh, announced today, uh, and it is uh, 2020 actor Michael B. Jordan. And making the cut of the list is Steve Kornacki, thanks to Election Week lusting, and uh, multiple Emmy winner Dan Levy. On Instagram, Levy admitted he oiled his legs up for the shoot, which features him doing things that he's been doing in quarantine, like taking out the trash, which I loved, had a million wine bottles, uh, walking his dog, and baking. According to the star, he's tried sourdough bread, banana bread, and various types of cookies, none of which came out the way he intended. And I gotta tell you, I walk by Mr. Jordan's house every single morning that I hike. Um, it's right next, right next. And I'm huh? like, yeah, it's, I'm like gonna, I never, never have seen him though. No. Well, I mean, it's, you know, there's no argument with that. You know, there've been some years where the person chosen seemed like it was a little bit like to promote a network TV show or something, but I don't know how you argue against Michael B. Jordan wanting to be in one of the sexiest men on the planet. I would say Michael, I would choose him over Blake Shelton. I would choose him over Matthew. I have to say that I, well, that, that'd be tied. I'd need both. I might be willing to Eiffel Tower it for Michael B. Jordan and Matthew McConaughey at the same time. <laughs> but I also, um, but it's funny, you know, I love, like, I love the way Dan did this. We watched an interview with him talking about it. But it's interesting where you sort of, I feel like, can see what I think some gay men experience, like having a hard time with compliments. Like he couldn't take being sexy seriously. And you know, it's all like self-deprecating. I'm like, you are a wonderfully handsome man, brilliantly talented, who made a beautiful show, celebrated by our community and viewers literally all over the world. Like, I love the jokey joke, but also like, just own that. Own that sexy. You know what, I, but I was, I, I went to um, the, the website uh, on out.com and there was a comment from somebody I had to respond. It said, the only thing, the only compliment I could give Dan Levy is he's not ugly. And I said, well, possibly you could say he's wildly talented as well. I mean, you know, it's just like, why, why, why does it have to be so vicious and nasty always? It is funny. You know, it's like I would, because it's like even in this moment, I'm not interested in sharing with you all who I don't find attractive, right? Like you can just lean the positive direction. You can just say, I find this person attractive. And it's weird when that's hard. You know, it's like, maybe you don't agree that someone some year is the sexiest person alive. And also we can joke about Blake Shelton because it's just funny. And he made jokes about it when it happened. Sitting next to Adam Levine, who I think was also probably people's yeah. sexiest year once. He was. Um, 
And he's sitting on a pile of money and a whole bunch of successful records. I think and, like, and self self-esteem is fine. And I think Gwen Stefani is sitting on him occasionally. I, um, I would think more than occasionally. You know, no, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I did not mean to diss Mr. Shelton. I, yeah, you did. I, but I, that's what I, I mean. There's a difference. I, I love Blake Shelton and uh, Michael. Hey, Michael A. Shepard, I love you so much. You're awfully sexy as well. I mean, a tall drink. Yeah. Of I mean, that is a good. That's a nice drink of water there. <laughs> I'm in isolation. I'm so sorry, Michael. I'm flirting with you on my show. I'm in isolation. I know you have a husband. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, at um, this point, lockdown flirting is just compliments. You know, okay. I've got a man at home that I desperately love, and I'm still putting the outline of my penis on Instagram because I need attention. Like I tell you what. I, you know what I love about Michael Asia? He is sexy to look at, but he's, I, you know what I find sexy? I find talent sexy. And I've watched Michael Shepard give crazy performances at, uh, at, at, at the Celebration Theater. And I actually got to give him an ovation. I actually presented with Del Dickey an ovation award to him. And it was so thrilling to, you know, read the list. And, and, and I consider Michael a good friend and say, and the winner is Michael Shepard. It was so crazy and great. Yes. All right, I've got one little thing to wrap up. Uh, Trans Awareness Week and Trans Day of Remembrance um, that I think is just really lovely. Uh, the, this week, Sarah Kogod shared the announcement of the Rainbow Sheep Ornament Project with the goal of making the holiday brighter for trans people. The project will send any trans person a free personalized Christmas tree ornament to help them start rebuilding sentimental mementos that don't use their dead name. I loved that. The group explained, if you're sentimental about the holidays, you likely have years of personalized ornaments that you've collected over time, some dating back to childhood, but something that brings one person good memories could be painful to someone else. Many trans people who have changed their name choose to dissociate from the name they were given at birth as a necessary way to deal mm. and heal from trauma. So I wanna share with you the website because if you have, know a trans person who wants one, they can go to rainbowsheep.com. And if you wanna donate as I am doing, you can donate $40 to cover shipping, 15 to cover an ornament, $20 covers retail and shipping, and for $25, it covers all of it, plus a $7 donation to Trans Lifeline that we talked at the top of the show about. And I just love that. I thought the holidays are so hard for people in our community so many times. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a very specific, special way to support and celebrate trans people at the holidays. And I just love that. So I'm going to do one. I hope so, because I love Christmas. Uh, rainbowsheep.com and you can get I'm going to do one. I just, I'm going to do one right now. I commit to do one right after we hang up. So hang up. I'm, we're not hanging up. I don't know. Hang thing. up. Uh, thank you for calling. Um, I do want to say a huge thank you to Leanne Noble, Patrick Nunn and Bob Bielenberg who have also contributed uh, during the course of the show. If you want to send us a tip one more time, Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to beard productions at gmail.com. Oh, and our friend, Danielle said, I have the trailer Dale gave me that has sentimental values. See? You might get oh. another Christmas ornament, Danielle. I'm just saying. I love that. Well, everybody, do you have fun weekend things as we like to hunker you know down what? I, and I, I'm in? doing this thing that uh, my, our good friend Debbie Holiday is stopping by. We're going to do a mask, social distance, and then I have this nice big table, and I'm cooking some salmon and we're, we're going to have a meal and um, huh? and uh, way away from each other, but at least we're going to be uh, seeing each other very safely. 
Yeah. And y'all remember, you know, we, I talk about it a lot because it's important for all of us to consider, take care of your mental health, be aware of how you're feeling. If it gets to where it is more than you can personally handle, reach out to somebody, reach out to a medical professional. Um, we have this, this next season could be even harder for a lot of people. And if you're good, make sure you check in and take care of the, the people around you. I will. You will. I'll check. You doing okay? Uh. Yeah, that's exactly right. Y'all really ask and make sure people really tell you, you know, we could get over, share, remove the stigma, feel free. And y'all have a lovely weekend.